Hey, what's up? My name is Raylia Lewis, and welcome back to Everything is Everything. I had a debate recently with someone who was interested in expanding their brand to increase revenue. Now, their idea of expanding was basically starting a new business venture that their firm was already into. I'm not speaking about network marketing or some pyramid scheme. I'm talking about my friend sells hair and is making bank. So I want to start a new business like that too. This person felt like there's enough money for everyone. There's absolutely nothing wrong with following in my friend's footsteps and starting the same exact business she started because I see it working. Where I felt like authenticity matters in every aspect of life. I just don't like that I want to do something because it's working for you mentality. And here's why. In the age of social media, I truly feel like most people are ignoring their passions to do what's trending. Everything that everyone is doing has been done before. I understand that. Not disputing that. But the way you do things is what makes it yours. My question to her was, what do you really like? And what are you great at? Just because you see that someone else is doing something and it's working doesn't mean that it's for you. Sometimes people like the idea of something, but it doesn't mean they'll be great at it. For example, I love watching dance videos. I love to dance, but I am not skilled enough to be a professional dancer or open a dance studio. Now, I know that dancing is something that can be taught, but there has to be some element of like talent there as well. Dancing is simply not my strong suit. We have to be really careful when we jump into new things and we have to understand what jumping into that new thing really takes, what it will cost us, and can we keep going when it gets hard? Because baby, it will get hard. In my experience, before anything great happens, everything will fall apart. Can y'all relate? When I finally decided that I wanted to be on America's Next Top Model, I was about 10 years old, told my mom I was going to do it, had it in my mind, I was just waiting to turn 18. So when I turned 18, I auditioned. Can't remember exactly where this audition was because, because I auditioned like four times. But the first time I got extremely far, I got to the stage where you actually have to file and get your passport. So that means they're really considering you for the show. I did everything. My brother paid for my passport. At this time, I was broke. I'm 18, fresh out of high school. I didn't have any money and I was unemployed. He came through for me. He did that. Never heard nothing back from the show. And I had even got the contract and signed the contract. So that was so devastating for me. Especially because all of my best friends had went off to college and looked like they had found their place somewhere. And I was, even though I was young, you know how you're young, but you have like unrealistic expectations and you really think that life is just this one thing. And I learned pretty early on that life was nothing like I had imagined it to be. So I tried out again at 19, 
I went to New York for the callback. I was super excited. My little brother went with me. He was there all day. He was exhausted, annoyed, agitated. He wanted to go, but he sat out there with me. He rocked out. And I remember they cut me in New York. I was so devastated. I cried the entire way to the bus station in the cab. And I probably cried the entire way home. Like I literally felt like there was no hope. My life was over. 18 year olds are so dramatic. They heighten every single thing. But I tried out again at 20. I ain't even get a call back that time, y'all. Like, they ain't even call a girl back for a call back. So I was like, you know what? I was a little bitter. I'm like, I'm done with Top Model. I'm going to focus on other things. So I started, like, sending my photos into agencies, trying to get signed, doing photo shoots, going into open calls. Nothing was happening, but I had completely deaded, like, the top model route. Like, I was like, I don't need top model to make it. I can do it on my own. Whatever. Child out for the face at about 20 years old, maybe 21. Didn't get it. Waiting in line all day. And if you know anything about these type of cattle calls, like I like to call them, is where there are hundreds of girls in the sun all waiting to be seen, all hoping that they will stand out and basically claim their right to fame. Didn't happen for me that day either. So I was like working as a server now, graduated college, you know, just living a very normal life, still hoping that I could become a model, but not really any closer to that dream. And when I turned 22, one day I was like just aimlessly scrolling on Instagram and this girl with the high school with tagged me in a post and the post basically said, we're casting for the 21st cycle of America's Next Top Model. If you feel like you fit the description or the criteria, feel free to apply. I applied and I got an email back like immediately. And I was surprised, but I still wasn't like sold because I had been there on this road before. So I was like, let me just see where this goes. So I sent in everything that I needed to send in. I had my Skype interview probably about a week later. They loved my personality. And then things just started to, you know, kind of happen slowly but shorty. I was talking to casting directors. They liked me. They were considering me for the show. But unfortunately, this time around, they weren't doing the casting tour where they go from state to state to find that girl to put in the house. This season, you had to basically come into L.A. on your own expense, risk, you know, losing money. But I mean you could possibly land a spot on America's Next Top Model. And at that time, I really didn't have the money, but I remember picking up like shifts at work and I decided to just like go for it, book my flight, book my hotel, bow, got there, we making it. So I get to LA and I had like a very limited amount of money. I booked my flight and hotel together on Hotwire And I probably had like $200 to like get to the audition and eat for a few days. When I get to the hotel to check in and when you book on like a third party app like Hotwire, they don't swipe your car for their stay. They swipe your car for the incidentals. This woman that particular day swiped my card, okay, for the actual stay, even though I had already paid for the stay online. So when I realized she charged me again, I'm like, oh, you made a mistake. Gonna need my money back. That's the money I need to get to my audition, eat, survive for the next few days while I'm in LA at 22 year old, two years old, all alone. She tells me, oh, I'm so sorry, but it'll take about a week. 
you know, for your money to come back on your card. I'm like, yeah, that can't happen because like I'm from Philly and I'm out here alone. And like, I'm just trying to make it on America's Next Top Model. And like, I don't have money to eat tonight. Get to my audition. And this was before like Cash App and Zelle and Venmo and all that cute virtual shit that we have today. So I was really like assed out. She was like, I'm so sorry. Like, there's nothing I can do. And I'm like, no, you have to do something because you did this. Like, this is your fuck up. I literally came out here for an audition. I have to be there by 7 a.m. tomorrow. And I don't have a penny, a penny, y'all, to my name. I was devastated. So she was like, let me talk to my manager, see what I can do. I remember crying and just sitting in their lobby, just like heartbroken. Like, what am I going to do? Like, this is really fucked up. Like, why is it that every time I try to do something with my life, shit like this happens? I remember saying a silent prayer. And then like probably five minutes later, the manager came out and was like, listen, we're so sorry. We understand what you are going through. I want to just give you the money in cash and, you know, cancel the payment that's supposed to go to your car in about a week. Thank God. Problem solved. Nerve wracking. Yes. Traumatic. Hell yeah. Problem solved. Get to the audition. My mind was made up. I was getting on that show. Walked in there. Killed my audition. Left out of there, not knowing what was next. Flight back home was fine. Received the contract right before the holiday. Had high hopes and high expectations. No guarantee, but I felt good. Next thing I know, get a call one day that I am a semi-finalist on America's Next Top Model. This time around, they have to fly me out, okay? They are paying for it on their own dime. They are paying for my stay. So now I am elated. I am getting the Hollywood treatment. You can't tell me nothing. Everything is ready to go. Everything is set in stone. Till one day, I receive a call from the casting directors that they looked up my record, my criminal history, which in my mind, I had none because I had never been arrested. Even to this day, I have never been arrested. And they found that I had a violent charge or I was accused of violence like it was like a bar fight that my sister was in with some friends and she used my name she had a record already I didn't I was 18 I guess she just felt like nothing would come from this right I remember the incident never really knew she used my name she told me she like spelled my name incorrectly and that was that so when they told me that that had came back on my record I was confused so I'm like Super calm about it, like, that wasn't me. Like, there's no way that was me. So they were like, we really might have to, like, revoke, you know, your invitation to come into L.A. Because we can't have you on here if you are violent. You have to prove to us that you are not violent. And I'm like, it wasn't me. Like, I really didn't know what I can do. And I was, like, devastated. I remember talking to my sister. And, of course, she was apologetic. But, like... What do we do? Like, this is my chance to make it on a TV show. And it's looking like it's not going to happen because of a decision that you made. You know, she was in her 20s already. She was already grown, already a mother. I'm a freaking teenager. This is my shot out. And now, possibly, I can't get out because you had a bar fight. So, I remember I couldn't really afford to get fingerprinted. Um, 
And they were saying that they couldn't even really use fingerprints because they didn't have access to the fingerprints. They just knew my name, basically. They just knew that my address was correct, my birth date was correct, and they was like, that's you. There was no mugshot. So I think that was probably my saving grace. So she wound up like talking to them, writing them a letter. And after a few weeks, they actually decided to give me a shot. Thank God. But can you imagine how I felt? I remember being at work and just going into the bathroom and just like silently crying. Like, this is my life right here, you know? And this opportunity is my dream. And I might not get to enjoy this dream or live this dream out because of a decision that I did not make. That was a very scary and hard time. So I get to the audition, get to casting week. Thank God I make the show. That was a crazy experience in itself. But that experience right there was like, yo, like sometimes when shit looks like it ain't going to work, it normally works out for the best. Now, I lost the show, right? So right after I lost the show, I was devastated that I lost the show, but I was like in love with this guy at the time. So I'm like, it's okay. Because you know, when you're in love with somebody and you go through something like traumatic or like really hard or heartbreaking, when you know you have that person, you're like, we're going to figure this out together. Like, it's good. Like, I don't have what I want, but I have something better. And I'm still young and I have a platform and I'll figure this thing out. So I was disappointed about the loss, but I was like, man, I want TV. This is my dream. I made, I made it far in a competition. I'll survive. And then he left. <laughs> he was done with me. So now I'm heartbroken. Um, devastated that I lost Top Model. I went, to, went through so much trauma filming this show. I lost like 20 pounds. I was so thin. I was mentally just not in like a, a good place. Like I was very like mentally fragile and vulnerable, very heightened and emotional. So that was a very tough time for me. So I really didn't know what was next. Um, I wasn't offered a contract from Next Models. I really didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Um, I was really like stuck and I felt a lot of pressure. People were excited about me, but I wasn't really excited because I felt like I was a failure. But I had to act like I wasn't a failure because I signed the NDA and the contract. So I couldn't really talk about the specifics of the show and what happened while I was filming. So I had to like put up this front and it was really, really hard. And then it was my first heartbreak. So that was really, really hard. So I was really in like a really tough space during that time. It was really hard to enjoy being on television and really making like my dreams come true. So I decided to move to LA with my castmates. So we applied for this house because for me, LA was like my saving grace. It was like, I can't thrive in Philly. I'm on a TV show that's airing soon and I still don't have an agency. So I need to be in LA with opportunity so that I can use this opportunity that I just got, run with it and make it big. So my roommate applied for this gorgeous house. It was like a four-bedroom house, two-bathroom, two-car garage. It had two living rooms. It was in North Hollywood, right on Babcock Avenue, not far from Burbank, if you know anything about like the L.A. section. And come to find out, after he put all of us on the lease, we couldn't afford this gorgeous house. Uh, duh. 
remind you though, we're 22 and 23 years old. So we needed a co-signer and we didn't know who would be the co-signer. Luckily, his best friend's father decided to co-sign the house for us, helped us out tremendously. We all paid our deposits. We are all on our way to California. And then reality set in. How the hell am I going to afford a plane ticket, afford to bring my car over there, and afford to move my stuff over there? Because when you are moving to another state, okay, across the country, you have a lot of baggage, a lot of luggage. You have to pay for that luggage. Hundreds of dollars, okay? Where the hell was I going to get that money? Because at this time, I had quit my job because I was feeling myself. I had went through all my savings because I had got this new car. It was a lemon. Put all my money into this bullshit car. So I had nothing. Me and my friend, we were both moving from Philly. We both had nothing. I remember she was like living outside of her car. She had places to stay, but her clothes and everything that she owned was like inside of her car. But we were like so optimistic. We were on high. We were moving to California. We are about to be stars. We are about to change our freaking lives. You couldn't tell us nothing. Reality sent us some more because everything we started to plan was really like half-assed, last minute. I was spending money I didn't have yet. For example, for me to even pay my deposit, I was banking on booking a job. So I had told myself that I could afford this deposit because I had an audition that was for the deposit amount. But you can't bank on the audition. Thank God I booked the job. My brother drove me to the audition because it was in Jersey. I didn't have a car at that time yet. But when you book a job in modeling, it takes 30 to 90 days for the payment to come through. So when the deposit was due, I didn't have the money. So my brother also, shout out to bro, had to loan me half the money so that I could pay the deposit. My mom was upset with me because maybe she just didn't want to see me go. So I was in a bad space with my family at that time. Um, I wasn't economically sufficient, had no idea what I was doing. Didn't know how I was going to even, like I said, get a plane ticket there. So my saving grace was that I decided to sell my car, which was a good and bad thing. Because if you know anything about LA, you need a car. But I was like, I'll figure it out when I get there. I come from nothing, basically. I can struggle. I'll get a job. I'll figure it out. So I sell my car for like $1,800, $1,900. That's the money that now I now have to go to L.A., get my plane ticket. Then I had like a going away party, made a couple dollars off of that. So I probably went there with like 3K. Felt pretty good about that. Now looking back, I'm like, girl, what were you thinking? But I get there, figure it out. And then life set in again. I can't find an agency to sign me. So while all of my roommates are thriving, they have nine to five, they are bringing in money. I am penny pension off of my savings account because I cannot book a job or find an agency to save my fucking life. So I started getting desperate. I started looking for like bartending jobs. Mind you, I am not a bartender. Shit was just getting dark. 
things were very scary. I was falling into a depression. I really didn't know what to do. So I started booking like work in like PA, New York for like appearances. I booked like an appearance in like Florida and that really like saved my ass. So that helped me really get through like that 12 month period of like being able to pay my bills. Like I was smart in that sense because I always had like three months of rent saved up. And I think my rent was like $500, $600. So, you know, I was surviving that. But I just knew that I couldn't continue to live out there in that way. So I decided to go to Miami to possibly get an agency so that I could start working and take care of myself because my family couldn't help me. I'm all the way, you know, halfway across the country. Like, I have to be a big girl, put my big girl panties on, and take care of myself. Get to Miami, fly in the day that I have an audition. Thank God the agency decides to sign me. But I didn't really book a lot for swim week, so I didn't really make any money. So I stayed out Miami for like two, three months, wound up spending all of the money that I had because I was still spending money on rent back in L.A. And I also had to live there, buy food, travel, go to auditions. So back at square one again financially. So when I get back to L.A., I decide that I'm just going to leave like the security deposit was on the table the lease was up we all decided to go our separate ways so me and my friend decided that we were just moved we would move to new york basically mind you still don't have no money so don't know how we was planning on moving to new york don't know what we was going to move to new york with because i didn't even have money to get on the plane to get back to pa to my mother's house to my childhood's bedroom now, I remember I left out a part. I remember on the way back to L.A. from Miami, I was really worried about how I was going to afford to move back to Philly. So while I was in the airport, the stewardess got over the intercom and basically made an announcement saying that the flight was full and that she would give anyone a $400 voucher to fly anywhere if they were willing to give up their seats and get on a later flight. That was God, y'all. Raised my hand immediately. Now I had my flight back to Philly. Pack up my stuff. Sell my bed. That paid for my luggage. Said bye to everybody. Made my way back home. And I remember landing in Philly and feeling like the weight of the world was just removed from my shoulders. I'm back home. I'm back around love. I'm going to New York now. I'm going to figure it out. New York didn't actually pan out as planned. (laughs) I couldn't get signed in New York, y'all, forever. So I wound up getting signed in Africa. And I went to Africa. And basically, I went to Africa with no savings yet again. My manager at the time helped me buy my tickets. And you know, when you travel internationally round trip, you're looking at about $1,000 to $1,200 plus to fly back and forth also i had to survive there i had to rent a house i had to travel back and forth to auditions i had to survive there okay so when i get to africa after my um manager helped me get the ticket i immediately found out that i had to buy another cell phone so that i could receive the auditions that i needed to receive 
So now I'm paying for two phone bills, y'all. Okay? Paying for utilities where I stay. Have to feed myself. Have to get around every day to go back and forth to auditions. And to really just enjoy my time in South Africa. So I wind up running out of money like almost halfway through the trip. Now at this time, this huge movie director was really interested in having me do some acting. Don't know why because... I'm not an actress. I never promoted myself to be an actress. And I really never properly received training at that time for acting. But he just saw me, thought I was dope. And he kept in contact with me. And while I was out there, he decided to Western Union me some money so that I could pay for some acting classes while I was there. Because I told him, like, listen, I'm just trying to live out here. Can't afford the acting classes. So he sent me like $500. And because Africa is so much cheaper than America, that money basically got me through the rest of my trip. Now, while I was in Africa, (laughs) didn't really work a lot yet again. So by the time I got to the airport and made it back to the United States, I had $7 to my name. This is after Top Model a year after LA, a year after swim week. And I had did some dope stuff in Miami. My Instagram was lit. Like things looked like it was on the up and up. Got signed, you know, in Africa, did a few jobs. So to the outside world, I'm on some shit. I'm killing it. But in reality, things were just, nothing was like aligning. Like everything was just struggle everywhere I turned. It was like all consuming It was exhausting. So I got back home and Africa was a place where I really discovered like the secret and I discovered meditation. And it was like this very like Zen environment where I was able to like fill up my spirit. So I wasn't really like devastated in the same way I was devastated with LA, Miami and um, Top Model. It was different. It was really different. It was hard. But it was different. And I remember going into Christmas being like, hey, y'all, like to my family, I can't really afford to buy presents, but like I'm here. And luckily I had got like a sponsor post on Instagram collaboration where like a company hired me, paid me like probably $100 to post their socks or something. So because I got that money, I was able to like buy Christmas presents and, you know, I penny pinched off that for a few weeks so that I could like buy my little food from the, and it probably was like, ramen from the corner store and really figure out what my next move was and my next move (laughs) i know y'all exhausted was new york so what my agent did at the time was he sent me on all of these open calls no not open calls he sent me on scheduled meetings with the top agencies in new york and which was so exciting for me was that everybody saw my photos they liked how i look they wanted to sit down and meet me So I was like, okay, we're on the way to something big. Things are progressing slowly, but things are happening. So all the agencies decided to turn me down, except for Wilhelmina, New York. And Wilhelmina, New York was one of my dream agencies. So I was elated. Like, I was so excited. Like, Wilhelmina, New York wants to sign me. So the day I went into the office, they kept me so long that I missed one of my other meetings I had set up. Everyone met me. Everyone loved me. They decided they wanted to put me on the curve board because I was curvy. And they gave me a contract, told me, 
to send it over. And, you know, the next thing is history. So when it came time to signing the contract, they were dragging their feet. And I remember being in Ocala, Florida for an appearance. And that was probably a month after I did like the actual meeting with them. And my agent called me one day. I was at the pool at the hotel and he was like, they pulled out. They don't want to sign you. My heart fell into my ass. I was so sad. You know how you're so hurt that you don't even cry. You just feel the weight of the pain. You just feel numb. So disappointed. Yet again, I'm like, I'm getting older. I did the show. Why are things still so freaking hard? Okay? So now, what I mean in New York is off the table. I already got set up to move to a model house in New York because my friend pulled out of moving to New York with me. So I go into a model house with all these girls I don't know. And that's probably where I experienced like a lot of turmoil. Definitely experienced a lot of racism. Definitely didn't really get along with everyone, including the person who owned the apartment. So I didn't stay there too long. And while I was there, I didn't really have a lot to do. I had a few bookings. I had something in my bank account, nothing crazy, but like a few hundred dollars that I was living off of. And I was really just trying to survive. Long story short, I leave New York after a few months. No progress was really made. Um, Get back home. Me and my family are good for a while. And then, you know, you have your problems. There were some problems at home. Wound up having to move in with my boyfriend. And I still don't have an agency. So I wound up getting a message one day on IG from this girl who was starting a mother agency. Thank God for her. And she really just changed my life. She came in. She got me signed. She helped me get working. She believed in me when no one else believed in me. But I still deal with the trauma to this day from all of that disappointment, all of the struggles, all of the the highs and the lows and just the stagnant places I was in during that huge chunk of my early 20s, you know? And I feel like that's normal, but when it's your trauma and your experience... It's always heavier, you know? So, you know, like life, you know, like in life, life is always up and down. Um, And that's why I really say that, you know, sometimes when everything falls apart, that just means that great things are about to happen. That's just the way I choose to look at life's pitfalls and disappointments and heartbreaks. You know, I got through all of that, made it out better, made it out stronger, made it out smarter. What I did learn was that nobody's going to do anything for me that I am not willing to do for myself and that I cannot wait to be saved, nor can I wait for people to come and show up and be a genie and change my world. I have to change my own world. I have to be the defining factor in my own life and in my own career. And it's not easy. You know, there will always be struggles. That's a part of life. But what you come out as is so powerful. 
and you learn so much. I know so much. I can be my own photographer, makeup artist, creative director, stylist. I can do probably just about everything because I had to do everything with no guidance. I had to learn outwardly from other people who I didn't even know. I had to create mentors in my head because no one was willing to mentor me. A lot of people didn't believe in me and I had to figure it out the hard way. So some models have that experience where they are walking down the street and they get picked up and they get discovered. And I kind of had an experience like that with Click New York where I was walking down the street and the, the owner of the agency's very old, fabulous lady stopped me, made me follow her to the agency. I get there. She's like, we have to sign this girl. She's gorgeous. This white booker got up and was like, we got her. Thank you. Sent her on her way. Gave me her card. Told me to email her on Monday. And then was like, we're good. We're not interested. So that was really disappointing. But I got through it. I got an agency in New York. Got one in Philly, got one in Atlanta, got one in Chicago, got one in Seattle, Washington. But when you get an agency, the next challenge is you have to book. (laughs) It doesn't stop getting challenging. And thank God I was able to sustain a full-time modeling career where I was able to make thousands of dollars consistently every month by just betting on myself. So I am a full-time model. I do support myself primarily do modeling and I do book consistently. So that's amazing. That's great. Now due to COVID, of course, there has been changes in my life, but you know, that's due to things outside of my control. But even with all that happening, I kind of forgot that mantra of like, when everything falls apart, something great is about to happen. But what I didn't forget Is the importance of authenticity and that authenticity matters. And with anything that I do, I try to do things that I care about. Like when I released my book, people were in my ear like, oh, you should write books like this because I think they will sell more and people will resonate with the story more and gravitate to it more. Or maybe you should start this or maybe you should do that. You know, this girl did that and that worked for her. And I was really adamant, like, no, that's not what I want to do. And I know you might not understand it and you might not believe in what I'm trying to do. But that's worked for her. That's not what I'm willing to do. That's not where my power is. That's not where my skill is. I am more than a model. But what I won't do is try to follow someone else's path to make it work for me. Because I'm not that person. And I can never compete with that person and try to outdo them doing what they did. And I also don't want to be a copycat. I don't want to be so inspired by someone that I lose the true essence of who I am. And I lose my own identity because I'm moving outside of my purpose. That's not what I'm about. So when I decided to start my swimsuit line throughout the COVID crisis and being under the stay-at-home order, I decided to do that because this experience taught me that we take so much for granted and we really have to stop and that, you know, you get this one life. And it's important that you stop thinking you have time and really do the things you really want to do. So with the swimsuit line, I sat on that idea for over eight years. I had a lot of trouble, as you can see, with my finances. So how the hell was I going to start a swimsuit line when I couldn't even afford a bus ticket sometimes to New York, okay? So for that reason... 
it took me eight years because when I really started to make money, I dealt with the PTSD from not having it so long that I didn't want to lose it. So I began to penny pinch and be afraid and not really bet on myself in huge ways because I didn't want to go back to being broke. So that kind of stunted my progress in the entrepreneur realm because I wasn't about to lose everything on a pipe dream because I did that with LA. I did that with Top Model to some extent. I did that with Africa and Miami and it got me back to square one and I was not willing to go back to square one. Not this time. I was at a place in my life where I wanted to take calculated risk. And if it wasn't calculated, if it did not make some kind of sense, I was not willing to put myself through that kind of trauma. So for that reason, I sat on that swimsuit idea for so long. And then when the quarantine happened, I was like, fuck it. Just do it. You have savings now. Just do it. No, you're not modeling. But you cannot only depend on modeling full time anymore. I really wanted to create more value for myself, more opportunities for myself. I wanted to create my own table. I didn't want to fight for a seat anymore. My whole thing with Wave Swim was like, I tried so hard to fit into the industry. I tried so hard to do Sports Illustrated and Victoria's Secret. And I always had like the curvy body. But because I was black and they had their black girl already, or because I didn't have this cosign or know this person, there was a lot of limitations around me. And a lot of people didn't really believe in what I could do or really didn't see beyond with my skin, okay? So for that reason, I wasn't given fair chances or fair shots to really go out there and do what I wanted to do. And I'm thinking, like, I'm not going to wait to 30 to wait for somebody to pick me. Like, at this point, I have to choose myself. And if I can't book the job, I'll become the brand, basically. I have my own creative juices. I am dope. I am creative. I am smart. And I am beautiful. And I am sexy. So I decided to stop waiting for somebody to pick me and pick myself. So with Wave Swim, I invested my own money into it. I handpicked everything I wanted. I hired all black people to help me bring my dream to life. And I really want to use this business to highlight black women in a positive and beautiful way. And to also give other people opportunities to thrive who might not have any other opportunity to thrive in modeling or in photography. So no, I'm not saying that I will work with someone who doesn't have experience because that would be silly, right? But the people who I would love to connect and work with are people who have experience, who are talented, but who are just simply overlooked. And sometimes that one job can be the defining factor in your week, in your day, in your month. That one booking can add food on the table, can help you pay your bills. So if I can only be that for someone, I'm okay with that. I can live with that. So I made it very important that I want to pay every person their full rates. I don't want discounts. I don't want handouts. I want to work for this. I want to build this. And I want to help people while I'm also making my dream come true. But of course... Things happen the way things happen for me, maybe for everyone, but I can only speak on my life and my experiences. So I decided to start Wave Swim. And this time around, I decided to partner with someone who was a friend 
who I thought would be a great asset to what I was trying to do. But in all honesty, I was also moving out of fear. So because I wanted to feel comfortable, I felt more comfortable doing it with someone else so that they could kind of aid me and support me and push me through it. And at first, it sounded like a good idea. She was on board. We agreed on a lot of things. But then we just stopped talking about it. So because we stopped talking about it, I realized that it might not be a great fit. Because, like I said, she's a friend of mine. And I have several friends who we've planned a lot of things that we wanted to do together. And nothing really went through. And I was like, you know what? Let me just do this for me. Like, let me not do this out of fear. Let me not do this out of convenience. Let me really just go all in, jump in head first, and really invest and do it. So when I decided to take that leap, she came back. And I wanted to honor my word. And I decided to continue to partner with her, even though I had already started making steps without her. And that caused a lot of confusion. And... I was starting to experience a lot of anxiety because I wasn't really being authentic. I was agreeing to do this business with her out of guilt and out of fear. I didn't want her to be mad at me. I didn't want to disappoint her. And because I'm super intuitive, I felt everything. And I just knew it wasn't a great idea. So when that partnership fizzled out, I just went you know, head first into this project and I invested my money and, you know, I I would guess, you know, in traditional fashion, I'll call it, things fell apart again. (laughs) So this time around, my packages never shipped out. I didn't have enough swimsuits for the photo shoot. I couldn't find the venue at first due to COVID. I couldn't find the pool. I couldn't go to the beach. So I found this gorgeous like penthouse in South Philly, but the area was terrible. But I decided to just, you know, champ through it, work through it. The shoot turned out beautifully, but the timeline that I wanted was completely off now. I had to release the line a lot later due to packages not coming through. And I I ordered so much inventory. I spent way more money than what I wanted to spend. I didn't receive everything that I ordered to this day. Packages are still missing. So it was a kind of difficult and discouraging period because I'm like, damn, I'm really trying to do this. And I'm not saying I want it to be easy, but can I at least get like the shit that I paid for? You know, like that was my issue. Like I'm not asking for a handout. I'm just asking that the things that I pay for get here. And even if it don't get here in time, that it at least gets here. So after I did the shoot, luckily my building decided to open up the gorgeous resort that they've been building for the last year. So now I have this great space to shoot in, but now I can bring in a photographer because due to COVID, they are only restricting the amenities to the residents. So now I have to use my boyfriend who is exhausted, who was running his own business, who was kind of arning out a spot for me and refusing to, you know, really 
take care of himself and have his lunch break and chill out so that he can help me make my dreams come true. And I appreciate him so much. He's the best. But I understand how much of a strain that has to be on him. And it's really hard to like be considerate when I also need what I need for my business. And he understands that. So I, I'm glad that he is still willing to help me out. But it is challenging. And this whole process of me releasing this swimsuit line has been challenging. Like from things not showing up to things showing up and not being up to par, up to my standards. Even the photos were way too late and I had to build the website on my own and really learn how to use Shopify and everything was just super scary. I was dealing with a lot of anxiety. But like they say, like I say, when everything falls apart, something great is about to happen. And I'm proud that I created this beautiful brand. I had no help outside of what my mind could conceive and what I could afford to pay for. And I'm pleased with the results and I've gotten great feedback. And I'm happy that even though things were difficult for me, I didn't go so far left that I lost sight of what I really wanted and that I tried to pretend to be something I wasn't to have instant gratification or insta fame. Like I'm happy I stayed true to who I am and that I prioritize authenticity and I stand with my opinion, with my stance that authenticity matters. And I encourage anyone to be authentic to who you really are, regardless of your circumstances. Because if you stay with whatever you are trying to do, at some point, it will work. So reminding yourself of that is essential because there will be times where things will look so fucked up that you will feel like, what the hell am I even doing here? And why did I waste my time? But I saw a meme on Instagram recently where it just was like, poverty is hard. Running a business is hard. Becoming successful is hard. Pick your heart. So that's what I will say to you. And also, that's what I tell myself. Pick your heart. So now it is time for my segment, IG Meme of the Week. So unfortunately, Meg Thee Stallion was shot last week. Allegedly, Tory Lanez. The singer, rapper, artist, musician, not really sure which one he does because I have not really listened to his music, but he's super successful. And I was really feeling his stance a whole lot during the Black Lives Matter protest. He was really speaking up a lot for black people. So I was disappointed to find out that he's being accused of shooting Hot Girl Meg. I love Meg Thee Stallion. I'm a huge fan, but regardless of me loving her, the violence that women experience by the hands of men is disgusting. Like, if you look up the statistics, it really doesn't make any sense. It's alarming. And then the way that black women remain to just be unprotected and ostracized and dismissed throughout society, even amongst black men 
It's disgusting. So when news hit the media that Meg Thee Stallion was shot and that Tory Lanez was being accused of that, 50 Cent decided to make a mockery out of this traumatic experience for her. So 50 Cent posted a meme, basically reenacting the legendary movie Boys in the Hood, where he pasted her face on Ricky's body and put Tory Lane's face on the body of the person that shot and killed Ricky in the movie. And his caption was, run, Ricky, run. What the fuck is really going on? Hashtag brands on cognac. I really don't understand why this was funny. Why making a mockery of someone who was shot is cool to do. So Meg Thee Stallion decided to go to Twitter and vent. And she said something that I want to read verbatim because I think that it's so true and really important. Her tweet reads, Black women are so unprotected and we hold so many things in to protect the feelings of others without considering our own. It might be funny to y'all on the internet and just another messy topic for you to talk about, but this is my real life and I'm real life hurt and traumatized. I'm so glad that she took this approach when she decided to speak out against people making a mockery of this traumatic experience in her life because she could have easily just attacked 50 Cent or been aggressive and volatile without really speaking to the true essence of this problem. And she's right. Black women are unprotected and they are minimized. We are minimized and we are not taken seriously. We are made to feel less than or unimportant a whole lot. And situations like this really show what's really happening. I see so many black men talking about all the trauma they face in society. And I don't disagree. Black men face so much trauma in society, but so do black women. And black men have the privilege of being men. They have the privilege of patriarchy. They have the privilege of being fair because they are strong and Unfortunately, I'm talking about physical strength, by the way, just so nobody misreads what I'm trying to say. But unfortunately, black women, we are just at the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to society and where we fit in. Like, when you think about sexism and misogyny, even white women have felt a better space in society than we have. Like we are under black men. Not only do we have to deal with racism, but we also have to deal with sexism. And then we experience our own men refusing to protect us as well. And I'm not saying it's all black men, but it's a large portion of black men who thinks that shit like this is cool. So I'm definitely praying for Meg Thee Stallion. I'm actually writing a book called Two Strong Women where I really talk about what black women face in society. I'm talking about patriarchy, the women's suffrage movement, and how all the dots truly connect when it comes to how we deal with each other on a relationship type level and how our experiences and how we were brought up really affect who we become and how the world needs to create more space for black women to feel, to be heard, to be seen and be, and to be treated fairly and equally.
So now it is time for my segment. What am I watching right now? So I just finished watching Fatal Affair with Nia Long and Omar Epps, whom I both love. I was really excited to see this movie because I was really excited to see them two work together. They are like some of my favorite 90s actors. So I was happy. Now, I watched an interview with them too. It was super cute. And she talked about them working together decades earlier on a movie or show called Alfie. Not familiar with that project, but I thought they had never worked together before. So that's a fun fact that I just found out. But about the movie. So after the movie came out, it skyrocketed to number one, which I was happy about. But unfortunately, people on social media is not feeling the movie. I was so sad to see how many people don't like the movie. They were comparing the movie to other movies that is very similar in nature. And I understand what people mean when they're like, okay, another one of these kind of movies where the woman is being stalked and they go through a fight. And of course, the woman and her husband survives or the husband and his wife survives. You know, we've seen this storyline before. I get that. But I thought the acting was great. I think Nia Long looks great. Um, She did well to me. I thought Omar Epps did great. Now, I could be a little biased because I am fans of theirs already. But I enjoyed the movie. I was excited. I kind of knew what was going to happen. I won't lie. But it didn't change the excitement for me. There were a few things that I didn't know or I wasn't prepared for that was surprising and I'm the kind of person that I will fall asleep like 30 40 minutes into a movie and I watched this entire movie and after I watched the movie with my boyfriend I was up we were talking about it I was wide awake I was excited I was entertained so if you haven't saw the movie I recommend watching the movie and judging for yourself We all see things differently. We all have different things that speak to us and that entertain us. So you kind of just have to figure out if it works for you or not. But I like the movie. I'm a fan of the movie. And I think they did great. So that's a wrap. Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Everything is Everything. And I hope to see you guys back here next week. Bye-bye.